This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Warnings about wintertime illnesses aren't something that started with the coronavirus pandemic. This year, doctors are warning of a triple threat, making basic precautions even more important. And in the wintertime, we see more people clustered indoors around each other. And so that's why we see traditionally spikes in different viral uh, illnesses like influenza. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Offering regional pay increases for state employees, also called locality pay, moved back on the legislative front burner this week. Randy Yoey has more. State employee shortages are often acute in border counties where neighboring states offer better pay. Lawmakers heard from Division of Personnel Director Cheryl Webb this week who explained West Virginia has a limited geographical pay differential system already in place. Website agencies can explain their circumstances and apply for a pay differential approval. She said the challenges with the program are funding the pay hike and concerns about how fellow employees will feel. If I pay certain employees in this area this amount, what about the employees that live over here? Will people move from over here to over here? Webb said work environment, advancement opportunity, and a work-life balance are issues besides pay that factor into the employee retention issue. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. The state legislature's Joint Committee on Flooding met Tuesday morning to hear about the possibility of renewed funding to help reduce flood damage in the southern part of the state. Shepard Snyder has more. Attorney Carl Fletcher of the Government Organization Committee reviewed two bills that would see $10 million in American Rescue Plan Act funds go towards the demolition of buildings destroyed by flood damage. If passed, the bills would see the state's existing, abandoned, and dilapidated properties program expressly include flood-damaged buildings. We just wanted to be doubly sure that, that it could include that, and that was the debate council had uh, and staff had among itself whether we even needed the second bill, but we wanted to do that. Another topic introduced was renewed funding of stream gauges installed across the state's waterways. These devices measure water elevation and flow levels in rivers and help detect floods early on. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Shepard Snyder in Martinsburg. Legislators have tried to help address the state's nursing shortage. As Chris Schultz reports, one of their actions may have had an unintended consequence. Senate Bill 518 aimed to update and streamline state code relating to registered nursing. As members of the Legislative Oversight Commission on Education Accountability heard Tuesday, one provision that removed the licensure fee for RNs and APRNs has had an unintended consequence on the state's nursing education. West Virginia Center for Nursing Administrator Jordan Reed said the licensure fee accounted for 75% of the organization's revenue and its removal threatened the state's nursing scholarship program. About 75 to 80% of our revenue goes to this program. Losing that funding is going to affect this program. We're not going to be able to continue it without additional funding. Reed said the program is important because recipients are required to complete a service obligation in the state, and as of August of 2020, 88.7% of service obligation completers maintain an active West Virginia nursing license. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. American Electric Power, the parent company of Appalachian Power, will shut down half its coal fleet by 2028. Curtis Tate has more. 
According to an AEP investor presentation last month, 5% of the company's electricity will come from coal by 2028. That's down from 11% last year. By 2032, according to the presentation, only three coal plants will be left in Appalachian Power's portfolio. John Amos, Mountaineer, and Mitchell, all in West Virginia. The company aims to achieve an 80% reduction in carbon dioxide emissions by 2030, reaching net zero emissions by 2045. AEP identifies carbon offsets and technology, such as carbon capture and storage, to achieve further emissions reductions. Virtually all of the retired coal generation will be replaced with renewables. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. A county prosecutor asked the Joint Standing Committee on the Judiciary on Monday to remove an exemption from state code that excuses marital rape. But one legislator pushed back. Emily Rice has more. Monongalia County Prosecuting Attorney Perry J. Day Christopher asked the legislative body to re-examine Senate Bill 498 from 2021 that would remove language allowing for marital rape. For Sarah Blevins, Development Director for Branches, a domestic violence center in Huntington, married and unmarried people should have the same rights. It doesn't make a difference what the person's circumstances are. You know, everyone has the right to have their consent validated, to have their preferences heard. Senator Robert Carnes, Republican from Randolph County, disagreed, suggesting the state add a section to marriage licenses, asking couples to agree to being touched by their spouse. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 749. Areas of fog this morning, rain and thunderstorms possible. Mostly cloudy skies, highs in the 50s and 60s. Tonight, a chance of rain with lows in the 40s. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of rain in the south, highs in the 50s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torreseva Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresavaLaw.com. Wintertime illnesses are not new, but the coronavirus pandemic has made us all much more aware of how they spread and what they can mean. It can make a huge difference as we travel once again to spend time with older family members. News Director Eric Douglas spoke with Dr. Michael Stevens, WVU Health Systems System Healthcare epidemiologist about flu, COVID-19, and keeping your family safe this holiday season. It is time for families to get together. It is time for people to be traveling. And it is the cold season. We keep hearing over and over, winter's coming again, and it's time to be worried about COVID and, and the flu and everything else. So explain roughly why what makes the winter worse? I, I mean, I know it's a simple question, but why is it worse in the wintertime? 
typically we see more efficient transmission of viruses that require people to be in close proximity to each other. And, and in the wintertime, we see more people clustered indoors around each other. And so that's why we see traditionally spikes in different viral uh, illnesses like influenza. Now, when we look at why we're seeing really massive spikes in viral activity this year, some of that's related to the fact that people you know, really uh, haven't been around each other to the extent that they are now over the past few years because of the COVID, you know, the things we were doing to prevent COVID masking, distancing, uh, those things have sort of gone away. And we also have reduced immunity, particularly in young kids. And so we've seen massive increases in RSV. Right now we're seeing higher influenza hospitalization rates at this time of the year than we've seen in over a decade. And now we're starting to see uh, COVID uh, start to surge again. And so, you know, really you know, we're, we're in a um, difficult place with this this uh, idea of a tridemic. Everybody, and, and myself included, but we all sort of are, are acting as if the, the pandemic is over, but I'm guessing you might disagree with that. We definitely are in a new phase of the pandemic than we were over the last couple of years. It's it's something that uh, we're we're going to have to to learn to live with, you know, with COVID sort of, you know, it, it being something that we that we that's here and that's going to be here for the foreseeable future. But it's certainly not gone. Uh, and in the same way that people have a healthy respect for you know influenza, we all know that flu um, is a, is a common virus. A lot of people get infected with it, but it can be really severe. And some people, you know, have chronic problems after they get it, or some people die from it. We should have a similar respect for the virus that causes COVID as well, because it's still a, a bad virus. And, and people who are at risk for severe illness, particularly people who are older, people with medical problems, immunocompromised people, you know, can still have really, really bad disease. And, and we still see, you know, even deaths from COVID. So I think, I think it certainly isn't gone. Um, COVID hasn't gone away, but it, but it's something we're all going to have to learn to live with like we live with things like flu. It, it seems to really still be affecting the older generation, older families. Uh, is that what you've seen as well? Yeah. So, Eric, particularly people who are 65 and older are at very high risk for severe illness. Uh, and yes, that is something we see. And so, you know, that's something thing, uh, something people could think about with holiday gatherings and the like. If you are going to be around people who are at high risk, whether they're 65 and up or they have medical problems or they're immune compromised for whatever reason, people can take extra measures to protect the people they love, you know, coming into the holidays. That's exactly where I was heading next was Coming into the holidays, we're, we're without getting too cliche, we go seeing grandma and grandpa, but we're putting them at risk if we're not taking care of ourselves first. Eric, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, so people can take their health in their own hands and try to prevent infections by, you know, making sure they're up to date on COVID vaccination, which really means if you're five and up bivalent, you know, COVID boosters at this point. Uh, if it's been two months since your last COVID vaccine dose, as long as you had finished that primary series. And remember, everyone six months of age and up can get vaccinated for COVID now and should. And everybody six months of age and up can get flu vaccinated as well and definitely should. Um, but other things beyond vaccination, uh, masking, 
you know, so if you know you're going to travel while you're traveling, masking is a good idea uh, because there's so much flu activity and we're seeing COVID start to surge. And you may want to consider, you know, even, you know, avoiding big uh, public gatherings or masking in public for the week or so before you go and and you visit somebody who's potentially at risk. And, and Eric, the other thing is, if you have symptoms, even sort of mild symptoms of a cold, you should really pause, uh, probably go get tested for COVID and flu before you potentially expose somebody who could have, you know, really, really a big problem if they got COVID or flu. That's an interesting recommendation, though, to be able to, 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 to sort of lay low for a week before you leave uh, the week before Christmas. And that's tough with Christmas parties and work and everything else, but lay low and, and protect yourself a little extra, take extra steps the week before you leave. Yeah, Eric, it's really just a practical recommendation um, because, you know, hopefully that gives you a pretty good amount of time where you're reducing the likelihood you get exposed and then develop you know, infection so you're not exposing other folks. And, you know, wearing a high quality mask, uh, something that fits well, uh, ideally is not cloth, you know, that that would also, you know, give you some extra protection if, you know, you have to go live your life and go to the holiday party and that kind of stuff. All these little things will will help reduce the likelihood you get infected and then affect somebody else. Sir, is there anything we haven't talked about? Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that, that sometimes brought up is sort of that whole, you know, antigen testing before before going to gatherings. And that's still something people can do in the day before, you know, they go to gatherings, although it's less accessible now and it's not accessible to everybody, it's not perfect. And so, you know, the bottom line is if, if you have symptoms, you know, whether you have a negative, you know, t test or not, you know, you, you, you probably should isolate and not expose others. That was Dr. Michael Stevens, the WVU Health Systems System Healthcare Epidemiologist, speaking with Eric Douglas about keeping your family safe during the holiday travel season. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Amelia Nicely, Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.